0: Welcome to on Texas on Texas football I'm Bobby Burton your host joined today by Mike Hugan and Mike is the senior editor of uh, college football for on three uh, Mike thanks for joining enjoy. us thanks for having me on always enjoy yeah um, Mike I, I want to go today we're gonna go around the, around the horn a little bit and talk about several different things uh, but I want to start with Bob Bowlsby um, uh stepping down but was it was he forced out or did he do it on his own accord uh we're not a hundred percent sure and can't report either way really we know what the press release says but uh what do you think of his tenure in the big 12 and its impact on texas and and really the college football landscape
1: yeah i mean i think bowlsby was a no nonsense guy um sort of stuck behind the eight ball with uh a weak conference other than texas and oklahoma and one and once texas and oklahoma left or decided to leave. I think the Big 12 was um, obviously on life support. He went out and brought in four teams to keep it alive. But yeah, co-worker Ivan Mazel wrote today that you know he may have been pushed out of the plane, but at least there's a golden parachute for him. Um, I think people forget he was a really good athletic director before you became the commissioner of the Big 12, hired Kurt Ferentz at Iowa, hired Harbaugh and Shaw at Stanford. The guy knew what he was doing. And I think Um, he, I don't think he was a mealy mouthed guy. Uh, I think he said what he thought was good for college sports and, and not just his league. And I think there's too many other commissioners over the last two decades who have been too, uh, league centric. I think all you have to do is look at the, um, failure to expand the playoff. Um, ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips is all about the ACC. Um, and I think Bowlesby was a guy who had a broader vision, broader view. Um, I think ultimately, yes, he's going to be, he's going to be, oh yeah, he was the guy who was the commissioner when Oklahoma and Texas left. But I think despite that, his tenure as the Big 12 commissioner should be, mem- be remembered as one. He did a pretty solid job, not elite, but pretty solid. Um, but unfortunately, the, I think the, the lasting memory is going to be, yeah, he was the guy who was the commissioner when Oklahoma and Texas
0: left. Yeah, like it or not, that'll be that'll be his epitaph for the for the conference. The the thing that I hit on today and and are mentioned in a column uh, rather is that I really felt like he um, he was probably not the right guy to lead the Big Twelve um, for a time when the Big Twelve needed more ingenuity. Uh, yeah, to probably, stay relevant. Yeah, um, that's probably okay. true. Yeah. You know, if you think you all of the things you say and, and what Ivan wrote are accurate. Um, Ivan used the word gravitas, emotional IQ. Yeah. Uh, those are all things that do fit Bob Bolesby. At the same time, he wanted to work within the ecosystem uh, to to move things along as opposed to probably needing uh, to think outside of the box uh, to get to keep a Texas in Oklahoma right. uh, from and, and, seeking greener pastures.
1: And, and maybe there was a time, well, again, I think Bowlesby was sort of an old school kind of guy where we're all in the pool. let's all have fun together. Whereas maybe he needed to be, you guys have fun over there, but don't forget me. I, I want this for my league. Um, I think Bowles, again, I think Bowlesby was an old school kind of guy that what's good for me is good for everybody. Whereas you look at a guy like Jim Phillips, What's good for everybody might not be good for me, so I'm going to make sure I get what I want. Um, and the, again, the, the lack of expanded playoff is a perfect example. Jim Phillips did not think it was good for the ACC, so he put up barriers.
0: Yeah, that that see that that alone makes very little sense to me. What were the reasons why he thought it was no good uh, for the ACC? I think
1: you, you know. I think you keep hearing that Jim Phillips thinks that Notre Dame will join the ACC. Notre Dame has zero reason to join any league. And I think if they do join a league, that, you know the media rights aspect is key. I, I still think, though, that if, if Notre Dame joins a league way down the road, it'll be the Big Ten. Um, I, I'm not really, you know, everything you read about Jim Phillips, he, he was a Big Ten AD at Northwestern. He's a smart guy. Everybody says he's a smart guy. Um, the, the lack of ex- the expanded playoff makes no sense to me. Um, Take Clemson out of your league and you got right now a bunch of flotsam and jetsam. If FSU and Miami were doing well, it's different. But right now I would have thought that Jim Phillips would have been all over the expanded playoff um, for the possibility to get two teams in because right now the only playoff program in his league is Clemson. The only program
0: close to the playoff is Clemson. So, so the question I have for you there. <clears throat> the other, the question I have for you there, first of all, is what is the status of the playoff? When is it off the table until? It's off the table until
1: 2026. Okay. Um, the, the, the current TV contract is going to expire. They're going to take it to market then. And that, that is smart because we've written a couple of stories, uh, Eric Prisble, that when you take this to market, the, it's going to expand maybe 400%. So that, that, is, that aspect is smart. Um, but I think there is a fatigue among fans, um, and heck, even among the media. You look, here we are in early April. Okay, who's going to be in the playoff this year? Well, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State got pretty, pretty solid chances. So that leaves, you know, one team. Here we, again, here we are in April discussing it. And uh, you know, I'm sure a team will crop up unexpectedly. But you know, if it's if it's going to be a Big 12 team, it certainly looks like it's going to be Oklahoma. If it's going to be a Pac 12 team, eh, there's not going to be a Pac 12 team. Uh, and the ACC, if it's not Clemson, it ain't going to be anybody. So that's the fatigue aspect. And I think if you have you know if you have two losses in early October, nah, we ain't going to the playoff. If it's an expanded playoff you could get into the playoff, maybe even with three losses, it keeps more fan bases involved into late November, which is what college football needs.
0: Yeah. I, I have another question. It's a little bit different now. I want to, I, I really think it's interesting what you're talking about here. Um, you've the, the one that they almost landed on the idea that they almost landed on was 12 teams, right? Yes. Okay. So two, I, I guess uh, four teams would get a buy. Is that right? And that that, was, and was, that was, I think, the, the most logical thing
1: because you do want to reward teams. And, okay, we have a four-team playoff now. If we're going to expand, maybe those four teams get the first-round buys. So that, that makes sense.
0: Got it. Um, Mike, another question that the ACC is, it's about, it, to me, from my vantage point and growing up, and I think I know you would feel say the same way, it's largely been a basketball conference for its entire existence. I mean, it, and a great one. So not trying to take anything away from them. Right. Um, But it has ruled the roost there. Football now makes as much or more money than basketball for them because of TV rights deals. Correct. And my question for you comes, what does the ACC think about disbanding the NCAA basketball tournament? And making it a tournament of halves, like they're talking, they, some people have talked about where they break away essentially from the NCAA and just create their own big people tournament where there is no St. Peter's invited. Um, and it's just uh, uh, all BCS teams in the tournament. Yeah, that's okay. that's another thing that Eric Prisba
1: wrote about earlier this year. And I think, you know, from on the one hand, we all know college sports is all about money. Um, and if, If I'm a power five school that can make even more money, hell yeah, let's do that. But then you realize that the all inclusiveness of the NCAA tournament is what makes it special. The fact that St. Peter's went to the Elite Eight. um, You know, Gonzaga has become a national basketball power out of the West Coast Conference. The West Coast Conference had three teams in the tournament. The Mountain West had three teams in the tournament. That, that that's, to me, is good. Loyola goes to the Final Four a couple of years ago. Butler goes to the Final Four two years in a row. Um, the little guy getting his chance on the stage, and I think if you take that aspect away, yes, more money might be involved, but I also think interest would drop, and eventually the money would even out, because I think the, the Cinderella aspect does drive TV ratings to an extent. Um, I know that the Monday night game, Kansas and North Carolina had phenomenal ratings, um, but I still think the, the coolness factor of the NCAA tournament is because of the inclusiveness of the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, the, the question I might, I, I, the, the whole St. Peter's thing leads me into my next thought process that I, I want to get you, told you I want to do it around the horn, the NCAA transfer portal. <laughs> you mentioned St. Peter's. They go, they go that far in the tournament. Three guys immediately enter the portal when their coach yeah. leaves. Um, what, how is, how is NCA and I, I, this is on Texas football, so it's, it's, we're, we're talking more about football here um, for sure. How is football – college football being transformed, in your opinion, by uh, the transfer portal, maybe, maybe in a way that's not necessarily quite so clear to fans? Well, I think that other than just almost the free agency aspect of it.
1: Yeah. And it is free agency. Um, And there's money involved. Let's get serious. Let's not be naive. I I think it has lessened the importance in some respects of recruiting. Now, when I say the importance, the the key is you you still want to sign elite talent. Um, Maybe you take fewer chances. You know, that's this kid. We're not sure he can. He can play right away. We can develop him for two years. So let's sign him anyway. I think that's the kind of kid you're in danger of losing because no no one wants to go somewhere and sit on the bench for two years. But I think if, if you're a college football coach, college football assistant, college football personnel director, all your focus before was on, okay, let's find the high school kid. Let's start looking at kids in 10th grade. And that's not going to change. But I also think that more and more, well, I know more and more schools now are also bringing in personnel directors to look at other schools. It's, it is sort of like an NFL team, you're worried about the draft, and you're worried about free agency. And, you know, I worked for two years at NFL.com. And one of the interest, interesting, things there, in talking to scouts and personnel folks were, okay, we bring guys in for interviews. Okay, we know we have no chance of getting him in the draft. For various reasons but if we like this guy maybe we trade for him in three years maybe we look for him as a free agent in five years there's a relationship there so the relationship is, is there with high school obviously and if, and if player a signs with a&m instead of texas or oklahoma instead of texas the idea of a relationship well you know we still like you uh and if you ever want to transfer, we're still going to be here. And I think there are more and more schools now with, with general manager guys who are looking at the transfer portal. I know Florida, for instance, I live in Florida. There was a story in the paper here that a couple of days ago. Florida has a guy who strictly all he does is look into the transfer portal. Guys who might transfer, guys who have transferred. And that, I think that's the way it is for college athletics now, football and basketball. Um, you're having to worry about a different way to acquire talent. It's no longer just high schools. Now you can get ready-made players in the portal. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about how the, the onslaught into the portal after the season ended in December and into January, there's going to be another onslaught into the portal after spring practice ends, because you're going to have guys realizing, I ain't playing at my current school or my God, I'm a good player, but this team is horrific. I want to go somewhere to win. So um, expect another, again, onslaught of transfer portal guys in the next couple of weeks.
0: The other, the other piece to me that I've heard, and just to, to, to give you a, a little different perspective is that, a lot of the high school kids, the people I talked to on the high school level, not necessarily the kids themselves, but people that have long been uh, not trainers per se, but advocates for kids on the high school level, trying to get their names up to colleges, et cetera, and, and have kids be found. They say there's less traffic, not necessarily just yeah. because of the pandemic, but because of the proliferation of the the value that can be found in the transfer portal. Yeah. So it it is a uh, to your point, it is a uh, trickle-down effect uh yeah, where think, the, yeah. the the six foot five 250 pound offensive lineman that needs three years of seasoning right may have to go get seasoned at you know at uh you know north florida whatever as opposed to the university of florida exactly even, and i even think
1: if he's a even if he's a really good prospect Right, and I think that's the thing. I think you're you're taking fewer chances. Plus, if you're let's let's use the baseline of you bring in 25 new guys a year. Before maybe it was 24 high school kids, and maybe okay we can get one transfer who sits out a year and then plays. Now it might be okay. Let's sign 18 high school kids because I know we we need to sign seven guys out of the portal, and we need six of those guys to be starters. Um, And then that's you know again roster. I don't want to say manipulation, but roster management has become even more vital. And you're right. I mean, I think every, uh, you're in a state where high school football is important. I'm in a state in Florida where high school football is important. And I think there there are stories being written on an almost daily basis. High school coaches, high school players are, are saying, you know, I expected coach A, B, and C to come through. Only coach A came. So I think there's going to be fewer scholarships given to certain schools. But again, Maybe if that kid doesn't sign at school A, he signs at a group of five or an FCS, he's still going to get a scholarship, maybe just not to the place where he wants to get.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. On real time product availability and fast delivery, call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done. May I ask you a question? Uh, the talking with Mike Huguenin, uh, the on three college football editor, uh, college sports editor, uh, formerly of the Sporting News, ESPN. I, th- yeah, I think you worked for ESPN for a bit. No, I didn't work for no I, Sporting News. NFL.com, uh, the athletic, the athletic. Uh, you even wrote for the national or worked for the national yeah. way back in the day. Uh, That's how old I am. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I read it so I can only say that, but Mike, I, I, I talked to you about this um, and we were talking back, I guess, back in November, December timeframe when we last got on the air together and there were a bunch of coaching moves afoot at the time. Um, looking back at it now, uh, Lincoln Riley to USC, Brian Kelly to LSU, um, Marcus Freeman elevated at Notre Dame, Brent Venables hired, uh, at, uh, uh, at Oklahoma. Are there any moves you really liked in college in, in this, this college football coaching carousel And any moves you disliked? I
1: think Lincoln Riley was not only a home run, but a grand slam home run. Um, you know, I wrote something when when Caleb Williams decided to go to USC. I'm thinking, okay, this makes USC the favorite in the Pac-12. You know, USC always is the favorite in the Pac-12. They finally have a coach, though, who understands how to win and how to develop players. And if I'm another coach in the Pac-12, I'm worried that USC now has a guy who knows what he's doing, sort of like they did when they had Pete Carroll. Um, you know, 90 miles from the USC campus, you can get every player you need to have a top 10 team. So I think Lincoln Riley was a grand slam. I, I'm a huge Brian Kelly fan, but I truly wonder about that fit and fit, everybody that fit is extremely important. Um, some of the stuff, I don't know if he fully gets the Louisiana lifestyle for lack of a better term. Um, I'm not sure his staff is going to recruit well enough. Um, You know, Brian Kelly took Notre Dame to two playoffs. Um, Notre Dame has severe recruiting restrictions. And as a, alum of an SEC school, I feel confident in saying that outside of Vanderbilt, no SEC school has recruiting restrictions. So from that standpoint, Kelly's going to have 75% more players available to him. My concern for LSU would be if his staff can get those players to actually end up going to LSU. Um, Again, I think Venable's no, here's a guy who has been an ultra-successful defensive coordinator for a long, long time. Um, I sort of thought, though, that he was becoming sort of like the new Bud Foster, a guy who had a great reputation, players love playing for him, other coaches talked highly about him, but Bud Foster never became a head coach. Okay, now Venables has gotten that opportunity. Um, is he truly ready to be coached at Oklahoma? We're going to find that out. Uh, Jeff Levy was, I think, a pretty good hire as an offensive coordinator. Bringing in Dylan Gabriel was a smart move because Gabriel can play. Um, but outside of, outside of Lincoln Riley, I'm not sure there's a home run hire in this, in this cycle. Now, obviously, there's going to be guys who have a lot of success, but I think Riley is guaranteed to not only have success, but immense success
0: he just has such a I, i'll just be honest he's an offensive coach and he has so much access to offensive talent oh in it's
1: mind-blowing right yes yeah i mean and even I, they, if i would think you know sc has signed kids from florida in the past like mike williams a former wide receiver um they're gonna they're gonna get players from florida they're gonna get players from texas they're gonna get a player or two from georgia he can go anywhere he wants to get offensive players, because you're right. That offense is fun to play in. It's explosive. He spreads the ball around. Um, Defensively, you know, USC has been behind the times lately. That's the question I have. How soon can they get up to speed? Um, You know, the big 12 was a lot better defensively last year. Oklahoma was not. Um, The Pac-12 outside of Utah um, not a league known for great defense. Uh, Cal plays great defense. Cal just doesn't understand that it's 2022 and you're allowed to throw the ball down the field. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how soon Grinch's defense um, can get close. to the, He's never going to get better than SC's offense. But, you know, in the years where USC had all those great offensive talent under, under Carroll, those dudes could play defense as well. Um, those players are out there, Kayvon Thibodeau types. Maybe those guys go to SC now instead of leaving for Oregon and Washington and other schools.
0: Yeah, Mike, uh, the Big 12 uh, last year, Baylor beats Oklahoma State. Uh, goal line stand. Uh, goes on and wins the, the Sugar Bowl. Uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, effort put forth overall by the Big 12 during bowl games uh, as well. Uh, one of the better ranked conferences in that regard. Um, Big 12, though, does not get a lot of respect as it comes to college football vis-a-vis really the SEC, which makes sense because the SEC has won so many titles, but even the Big Ten uh, and uh, sometimes the, the ACC because Clemson has been so good too. Um, where, where do you think the Big 12 goes in a year or two when Texas and Oklahoma are no longer there? Do you think that's a, it's a good thing for those lesser um, not lesser profile schools, I want to put it, I, not necessarily lesser schools or lesser, lesser teams because they've proven they're not. I mean, Cincinnati was in the playoffs this year. Is that a chance for them to stand out finally and get out of the shadow of Texas and OU? Or is this more a chance of them to go into obscurity potentially?
1: That's, you know, that's a, a, a tremendous point. You're right. I mean, the perception as soon as Oklahoma and Texas left, Perception was, oh, will the Big 12 even remain a Power 5 conference? Um, And you're right. No one mentioned Oklahoma State. No one mentioned Baylor. Texas Tech has had a little pockets pockets of success. K-State's had pockets of success. TCU's had pockets of success. But it was, oh, OU and Texas are leaving. The Big 12's garbage now. But you're right. Cincinnati went to the playoff last year. UCF is a program on the rise. It's the largest school in terms of enrollment. In the United States, uh, Houston, um, you know, when they were in the Southwest Conference, Houston did some good things. Um, tremendous area for recruiting. Um, so BYU um, it, it has a unique recruiting base. So in some standpoint, you're right. In some respects, if 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 you're TCU, I think that's when they, why they went out and spent a lot of money on Sonny Dykes, Oklahoma State um UCF's thinking they can do be successful right away Houston's thinking the same Cincinnati's thinking the same so from that standpoint I think this is a chance for like you said the lesser profile programs to step up but I still wonder about the national perception I think it's going to be you know like last year Clemson was bad so and NC and Pitt won the ACC Pitt's not any good come on because they're not Clemson. So I think the same thing's going to happen in the Big 12. TCU could go 12 and 0. Big deal, who do they play? That's that's the way perception works, unfortunately. Perception can become reality. But you're right, this is a phenomenal situation for some of these schools to raise their national profile. And you know, if you go if you win 10 games a year for 5 or 6 years, the perception of you and your league changes. That's why I think USC is so important to the Pac-12 and USC scuffles, Pac-12 is garbage. It's, that's not necessarily the case, but that's the perception. So the, the big 12, the new commissioner, it, 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 I mean, guessing interesting to see who they hire. Um, it, the, the potential is there for an interesting league, but and for some lesser-profile schools to step up, but I still think they're going to suffer from a perception standpoint.
0: Any programs right now, I'm thinking, any programs right now, in your opinion, college football programs in free fall? I mean, what's happening at Arizona State, for example?
1: Yeah, that, that's uh, – yeah, I think that's definitely one. They, they, were, they, they were primed last year. I thought they had the most talent in the Pac-12 South. Um, they committed just so many penalties – um, and then the NCA cloud hovered. And they lost Jay Daniels. Their entire coaching staff basically was turned over. Um, who knows if Herman Edwards is going to be there for game one, even though the AD Ray Anderson says he's my coach. Who knows if that's the case. Um, Arizona State, I think, definitely is in a free fall. Um, other Power Five schools, though, um, I don't think anybody's in as bad a shape uh, as Arizona State, though. This is going to be an interesting year. North Carolina Um, Mac Brown has recruited exceedingly well there but they woefully underachieved last year no way should that team have finished six and seven with the talent they had Um, now Sam Howell's gone who's the new quarterback probably the Drake May kid Um, and again they've recruited well um, but if you go six and seven with Sam Howell that's not a good sign and you know, there was all sorts of rumors that Mac Brown last year he is going to hang it up, that kind of stuff, and it obviously didn't happen. Also, Washington is worth watching. I think Kalen DeBoer was a really good hire. But, man, they went south fast under Jimmy Lake. Um, all sorts of stories now about how Lake antagonized his assistants, who he had worked with before as an assistant. Um, but, you know, he gets fired after – like basically 13 games. So um, Washington's another program, especially if USC um, takes off here, it's going to be tough for Kellen DeBoer to catch up. But that, that's a that's a solid program. It should be a solid program. But that's one to watch too. I, think.
0: I got another one for you. I, I was surprised by this uh, national power Clemson. Uh, both coordinators take head jobs. One at Virginia, uh, one at uh, OU. Uh, Brent Venables and uh, Tony or uh, Jeff Scott. Excuse me. I think name at the uh, at Virginia um he hires from within you you what do you what what's to make of that for you I,
1: I think that's Dabo saying my way works I know it works I trust these guys um it is interesting L- last year they went south fast um I think the you know the first game of the season was Georgia Georgia pounded on Bowie Lalay and I don't think that kid ever truly recovered I think he was seeing ghosts from game two on um, their offensive line last year was not good. Their receiving core was garbage. Uh, a lot of injuries at running back. That's, that's an interesting program. I think that the talent level there is good, but you're right. It was interesting when he had the two coordinators leave um, and he's like, I, I don't need to go outside. I got guys here. I trust. And on the one hand, I think if you're a player, Maybe you appreciate that because you're familiar with the guy who's going to be your coordinator, but maybe also, maybe things have gotten a little bit stale there. um, And you wonder if a guy that's promoted from within would be willing to say something. And actually one other program I should have mentioned, Florida state has had four losing seasons in a row. That's the first time that's happened since 1973 through 76. Now you got Napier at Florida who I'm not sure how good a coach he is, but from a recruiting standpoint, it's totally changed things around at Florida. They got 30 more recruiting staffers than they did under Mullen. Huh. Crystal balls at Miami. Miami, for the first time ever, is spending money on assistants, coaches, and accoutrements. Then you got Florida State, who's still paying Willie Taggart 20 million bucks not to coach there. So, um, and FSU has not recruited well. Um, they're bringing in a ton of guys from the portal again. Um, I, I don't think that's a sustainable thing. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Norvell, and this is going to be a very important season for Florida State because if they're not as good as Miami, you know, if they're noticeably worse than Florida and Miami this year, I don't see how they can catch up anytime soon.
0: Mike, I got to be honest. I was I was thinking this this interview would be about 30 minutes, but I've got to ask you another question. Uh, because you are so informative, and it, it's it's interesting to me. I think that the most interesting conference this year might be the Big Ten. Uh, if you're a college football fan, and I'll tell you why. Michigan State, one-year wonder? Or is, you know, is Mel Tucker legit? Jim Harbaugh beats Ohio State, but is he going to beat them next year? I mean, he he really, if he hadn't to beat Ohio State this year, there's no there, – they were already thinking about calling for his head prior to that, right? So he's coming back. James Franklin at Penn State. He's, he's been close, but not quite there, right? Ryan Day uh, is now looking at his first loss to Michigan at Ohio State. You know, Paul Christ at Wisconsin is a good coach. What, what, is, what are your thoughts? I mean, was it a one-hit wonder for Tucker and Harbaugh? Is it still Ohio State's conference to lose? What do you see?
1: Yeah, I think it's Ohio State's conference to lose. Their offense is going to be better than it was last year, even without – they're going to lose two first-round wide receivers, and I think their offense is going to be better. Um, I'm a huge believer in C.J. Stroud. Trevion Henderson's really good, and they still got a ton of good receivers. You know, if I'm a Texas fan or an a and fan, the idea that Jackson Smith and the Jigba's playing football in Columbus, Ohio, ticks me off. Um, and, you know, Mel Tucker – Boy, they rewarded him handsomely. Um, But I think Tucker, you know, he's from the Saban tree. He's from the Kirby Smart tree. He is so aggressive when it comes to recruiting. He's never going to out-recruit Michigan or Ohio State, but he did a pretty good job on the recruiting trail. He fully grasped how important the portal was last year. Did the same thing again, bringing in two two potential starting running back, Triple Kenneth Walker. I think he's a really good defensive coach, even though last year's defense – for Michigan State was bad. You're right. James Franklin's another guy. Oh, he'll be leaving. Nope, they rewarded him with an extension and a raise. Um, that, and that's all in, in Harbaugh. You know, he flirts with the NFL, uh, interviews with the Lions on National Signing Day. You're like, what are you doing? But now he's like, oh, I'm here for the, I'm here for the long haul. That's just in one division. So that's you know, like a soap. It's like Peyton Place from the '60s. And then you got the West. You're right, Paul. Chris finally went out and hired a a new offensive coordinator, Bobby Ingram, brought him in from the Ravens. Um, If you watch Wisconsin's offense last year, the last couple of years, you're like, my God, this is 1982. Because they run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action, throw the ball to the tight end. Well, presumably they will evolve. Jeff Brom last year takes a former walk-on quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. Kid throws for 3,600 yards. Iowa, I think, is going to take a step back. Um, you know, Minnesota, P.J. Fleck antagonizes people because of that shtick he has, but he's got a pretty good team. That 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 is a fascinating conference. But I think Ohio State, everybody's chasing Ohio State, even though the Buckeyes lost to Michigan
0: last year. Gotcha. Mike Huguenin, uh, college sports editor uh, on three dot com. Uh, I've known Mike, I guess, for 25 years now. because yeah. he was a college football editor at the Sporting News. Uh, along with Tom Deanhart. Um, Mike, I appreciate your time, and thanks for joining us on on Texas Football. Uh, until next time, bud. All right, I'll always enjoy it, man. Thanks. All right, take care of yourself.